listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. And welcome back to another episode of the Astros Future Podcast presented by Apollo Media, all Houston, all original. I'm your host, Jimmy Price, also known as Astros Future. You can find my work at AstrosFuture.com and find me on Twitter at AstrosFuture. I'm your other host, Kenny Van Doren. You can find me on Twitter at The Vandalorian. Today on the podcast, Kenny and I are going to talk about some of the recent roster moves and free agency, but first, we're joined by a very special guest, and that's Astros center fielder, Jake Myers. How are you doing, Jake? I'm doing well. Doing really good. Thanks for having me on here. Yeah, you got it. So I want to first talk about uh, you had an incredible season in AAA this year, put up phenomenal numbers, obviously got the call up to the Astros. But what would you attribute to, to your success this season you know, compared to what you've done earlier in your career and then what you did in 2020 at the outside? And then what led to your, your success this year? Um, I just say, uh, I mean, a lot of different things, but over the past couple of years, um, just getting a lot of help from a lot of the coaches in the organization, um, learning a lot each year about who I am as a player and, and how I can get better and just trying to keep getting better. Um, I think a big year for me was the uh, COVID year in 2020. Um, I was invited to go to the, um, alternate site and I got to see some upper level pitching um some big leaguers and um I that's when I started kind of realize I um you know I could hang could hit a little bit with with them and gain some confidence and learned a lot from a lot of the coaches there yeah um looking back at the alternate training site this year in April uh some prospects got the call to the major leagues when there was some COVID troubles at the major league level what was going through your mind you know at that time seeing these guys go up and were you thinking at some point in the season you'd get the call? Yeah, I was really excited for him. Um, it was a couple of, of good buddies that I'd gotten close with over the last alternate site the year before and getting getting to see them get that opportunity, um, you know, in just a split second was incredible. I mean, it showed me how quickly um, you can get called up and how quickly an opportunity could can arise um, and always to be ready. But it also, for me personally, um, it – kind of helped me work a little bit harder and, and look at and realize how close I was. But ultimately it was really, really fun to get to see all those guys um, get an opportunity and have success right away. It's, it's always cool to find out how players learn they got called up, but, but t- how was your story? Was it the manager? Did you find out on Twitter? How did you find out you were getting the call? Yeah. So um, it was like, so it was at the very, very end of the trade that de- trade deadline, like three 30, or something. We were we were getting ready to play that that night, and uh, uh, Mickey Story, our manager, called us all in um, to the club or to the yeah to the clubhouse, the locker room, and kind of just started speaking and, and talking about a player, and wasn't really given any clues and whatnot. And you know, everyone was on edge, and I was hoping it was me, and then it ended up being me. He uh, he said I was going up to the big leagues, and there was a big uh, you know kind of celebration I would say they threw water on me threw baby powder all over me and it was a really special experience because it was a lot of my buddies that were in the, the locker room so the the follow-up I have to that is 
a lot of guys, it, it, it takes them a little bit to get their feet wet. You know, they, they take a little while to get going. And your second career start, you hit two homers, and I believe one of them was a grand slam. So was that a way to a good way to get comfortable at the plate? And, and did it kind of give you some confidence moving forward? Like, yeah, I can hang at the big league level? Absolutely. Um, I mean, getting getting to do that and getting that opportunity in my second start uh, definitely kind of um, helped get my, you know, get my feet going, get everything going. But, I mean, I just feel like it was just a great time for me to, to get called up. It was a great time for me, you know, uh, in the sense of I'd kind of been playing well for, for a month or so. And mm-hmm. um, I was just kind of in a rhythm and kudos to the Astros. They did a great job for, for helping me make that transition. I mean, they knew way before when they kind of wanted to do it and, and when the best time was, and it's I'm just really grateful for the, you know, the organization as a whole. Yeah, um, you know, you've got to the postseason this past year. What was that push like, you know, as a rookie, clinching the division, all those emotions going through it in October and late September? Uh, unreal. Um, I mean, you always kind of dream about it. Um, and having never played, you know, in the big leagues, um, getting the opportunity to do that was a dream come true. And then being on an unbelievable team uh, that I got called up to was another dream come true. I mean, Unbelievable team. Uh, and so just being along for the ride and getting to experience some of those playoff atmospheres, playoff games, getting to see how some of those veterans prepare for some of those games uh, just was invaluable. Yeah, so that, uh, I want to talk about that. The, the Astros came out hot at home. You know, the first two games, I mean, really put it on the White Sox. So how was that atmosphere in Minute Maid Park? And I mean, was that like the, the, you know, the, the craziest crowd you've played in to date? Yeah, I mean, it's up there. Uh, at Houston Astros fans are, are the best. Um, I know I'm biased. We're all biased, <laughs> but uh, they they just show up. I mean, any every game I was up there for, they showed up. They were, you know, into the game and even, even more so in the postseason. Um, and, and it was just a lot of fun to play in front of them. But um, there, there were some very good uh, postseason atmospheres. I'd say all of them were, were a lot of fun to play in front of. So a couple games later, you know, you're we're in Chicago. You try to rob a home run, you end up hurting your shoulder. So yeah. kind of walk us through how did how did that? I mean, how did the shoulder injury happen? I mean, other, obviously jumping into to the wall there, but mm. what was going through your mind when when you you know when you got up off the ground knowing your shoulder was hurt? Uh, so I I've, I've only seen the replay one time. Uh, I, I remember it pretty vividly. Um, I thought I got a pretty good read on it uh, and I thought I was pretty close to catching it. Um, but uh, as I've been told, I've, I kind of just missed it. Uh, I think um, the wind kind of carried it a little bit farther than I had thought, <laughs> but I wish I would have caught it, um, but I didn't. Um, I think right away I kind of knew something was was wrong. Um, I, I just kind of knew I'd hit my shoulder pretty hard. Um, and I'd never really not gotten up from, from something before. So that was kind of different for me, but, um, that whole experience was really hard for me because I'm someone who wants to, you know, help the team win any way I can and kind of push through, you know, anything I'm feeling. And, uh, so I tried to get up, tried to throw the ball, but, you know, it kudos to, you know, the leaders on the team, like Carlos Correa to kind of come up to me and, and say, look, this is, you know, bigger than you. You know, we just want to win. And kind of in that moment, I had to, 
you know, swallow my pride and say, all right, the next guy's got to go. Yeah. Like you said, Craig came up to, uh, did Dusty and anyone else, you know, tell you like, you know, it's okay to be hurt. You know, you can come out in that moment. Not really. Um, Dusty, Dusty and, and the trainers had, had asked me like, you know, what's going on? What, what are you feeling? Dusty actually specifically said, you know, what's going on? How can you throw? And I remember saying I can throw about 50%, it seems like. And he's like, well, okay. Um, and, and that's kind of when he made the decision because you have to, you know, you have to be able to throw, especially in postseason baseball. So I think that's kind of what determined the decision there. I don't know how many details, how much details you can give on it, but how, how's the rehab going so so far for you this offseason? It's going really good. Going really good. Um feeling feeling a lot better than I was. Um, and I'm just, you know, uh, excited uh, for what the future holds. So you got to, you know, despite the injury, you were still with the Astros squad through the remainder of the postseason and kind of got to experience the World Series and the atmosphere. And, and like you mentioned, seeing how some of the veterans are preparing for those those playoff games, the pitchers, the hitters. Do you think that's going to give you an edge moving forward, you know, kind of experiencing that? And although you weren't on the field, you still had the, the same preparation that you saw that being successful in such a deep postseason run, do you think that that's going to help you moving forward? Absolutely. I mean, just to experience something like that um, at the highest level, play the longest amount of baseball you can play uh, in my first my first year, um, I think will carry me through the rest of my career. Um, I'll draw things from guys I got to play with, you know, all throughout the roster, things I learned from them each day. You know, and and just getting to see how they went about their business, especially in that type of baseball, you know, I'll be able to to use the rest of my career. Yeah, you know, we'll jump back into like the rehab. Um, you know, during that time, you were on the taxi squad, still in the, the dugout. Did what? What was going through your mind with your shoulder, and were you thinking, you know, maybe I could have a chance of coming back? Um, once once I once I was on the taxi squad, um. I, I still I still knew I had a chance possibly it was kind of a long shot um, to maybe pinch run or hit but at that point um, you know in the World Series I kind of I kind of knew I was I was it was a long shot for me to come back um, and so I was just trying to be as supportive as I could and and you know ultimately try and <laughs> you know sit there and, and try and watch the Houston Astros win a World Series but um, yeah, it was, it was tough because I really wanted to be a part of it and play, but uh, it's kind of, you know, how, how it all worked out. So what was your favorite moment? You know, and I, obviously you had a, 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 I believe it was an RBI single, and was it game one uh, against mm-hmm. the White Sox? Taking that away, what was your favorite moment in the, in, in the playoff run? Was it you know, the big ninth inning against Boston? Was it the, the Correa watch thing? You know, it's my time. What was your favorite moment? Honestly, my favorite moment was when Granky got a pinch hit hit. That was my favorite moment. Um, I, I absolutely loved seeing seeing our offense work in the first two series. Um, it was just undeniable, um, you know, incredible timing in all of it. Uh, from Altuve's home run against Boston uh, to get us tied up again or, or ahead of one of the two. Um, the offseason. And um, have you been, you know, doing anything to keep, you know, in baseball shape and anything of that kind of manner? Absolutely. Um, just just trying to um, stay in shape um, and kind of do what I've been doing the past couple of years in pro ball and 
get started up and um, try to help Joe's win as much as I can. Um, you know, looking, you know, from a year from now, this is a question I, I really like to like young to ask, you know, prospects, young guys, where do you hope to be in your game? Like what goals are you setting now or at the beginning of the season in spring training that you want to meet by September, by October? Uh, really for me, it's, it's team goals. I want, I want the Ashes to be top of the division and um, making the playoffs. And I think that's step one. Um, and whatever I can do to help, um, whether that's just be a great teammate or, or, you know, um, do whatever I can on the field. Um, and, and I've, ultimately the goal is to do, do the most I can on the field to help, you know, the team win. But that's the goal in, in my mind. A, a left-handed thrower, right-handed hitter is, is pretty unique in, in baseball. The Astros have two, and they both play center field, you and Chaz McCormick. And so y'all are platooning, but you're, you know, you're doing something that's pretty unique. And then I know there's another guy down in the minors, Matthew Barefoot, also is the same way. So, I mean, is that uh, – how? I guess how is that? You know, being – being that unique category with Chaz, y'all splitting time in center field and uh, kind of describe the relationship between y'all that, that y'all probably have, you know, splitting that time out there. It's awesome. Uh, I've never gotten the chance to play with a guy that is like me. Um, <laughs> I've always, I've always been told what I do is really weird and I don't know any different. So <laughs> it's always nice to like have someone on the team to be relatable, you know, in, in that aspect, but also, uh, I've gotten to know Chaz really well over the past half year or so. And um, he's become a really close, you know, teammate of mine. And uh, we have a great relationship. Um, talk to him every day. Um, you know, just a great teammate. Yeah. So since y'all, you and Chaz are close, um, I did talk to Chaz uh, last, probably in July. He was telling me at some point he'd like to come in and pitch. And I know both of you guys pitched in college. Um, I <laughs> want to know who the better pitcher is. And if you guys came in, who would who would have the better the better outing? <laughs> oh boy! Oh my slayer! Oh, okay, um, I'm gonna give Chaz this one. I'm gonna give Chaz this one. Uh, yeah, we'll give Chaz that because he wants it. Um, <laughs> Chaz can Chaz can get that win. So I know I, when I talked to you, I think it was back in like uh, probably May, late May, back uh, down in Sugarland. You mentioned that pitching in a major league game. I mean, although it'd be cool, it's not really what you want to do because they want you to go in there and just throw strikes and kind of let yeah. guys hit. And you want to attack hitters. Now that you've been in, you know, now that you got called up, you're you're playing, you know, in MLB. Do you want to still maybe hit that goal? Maybe pitch a, a, a half an inning or something like that in a blowout. Hopefully, a blowout win. Yeah, uh, I'll see. It's just, I'm just not interested in it. Like like similar to what I had said before. Mm -hmm. um, I'd done it in high a before right. and i just didn't like it um <laughs> it was a completely different experience on the mound and i mean i would do it if the team needed me to go out there and get you know sure you know throw the ball over the plate but it just doesn't it's not something i would look forward to or, or seek out like some of the other position players would right so you faced already through the the first the first few months of your career in major league baseball you faced a lot of different pitchers but if you had to name one who was the toughest pitcher for you to face so far that in your career, who, who do you think it would be? Uh, so the spring training count? Sure. Is it? Okay, Jacob DeGrom then. Oh, yeah. So far. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's, hard, uh, that's hard to argue against for sure. Yeah, four, four <laughs> straight fastballs. We'll see you. Was uh, <laughs> Kenley Jansen your, in your debut? Was your first uh, at bat against Kenley? Jake, Jake McGee. Jake McGee. For the, for the Giants, the Giants. which he's, yeah. he's really good too. 
and yeah, you, Kenley Jansen second. So yeah, yeah, it's like your first <laughs> so two bats. They were all against these high high leverage relievers, the guys that are really freaking good. Yeah, yeah, the one two punch right there was a tough one for me to to start uh, with McGee and Jansen, but it was it was good. It was a good experience for sure. All right, Jake. Well, that's all we got, man. I, I really appreciate you coming on. I hope the offseason rehab is going well. We look forward to seeing you in an Astros uniform in, in 2022 and, and wish you all the success for next year. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. All right, guys, appreciate that's going to do it for segment one. In the next segment, Kenny and I are going to talk about the 2022 roster and look at free agency. We'll get to that in just a moment. And continuing on here at the Astros Future Podcast presented by Apollo Media. If you enjoy the show, do us a favor and drop us a review or leave us some stars. So we're going to look at the Astros roster for 2022. There's been a lot. I say a lot. There's been some movement since the last time we talked. Uh, they tendered contracts to six different players, Josh James, Phil Maton, Rafael Montero, Ryan Stanek, and Framer Valdez. Some of those were obvious. A couple may have Montero maybe caught someone off guard. But, but Kenny, what's your, what's your thoughts on those uh, six players that they tendered contracts to? Yeah, they also got one to Lemus Diaz. But I know the Rafael Montero one looks like a toss-up to a lot of people. Um, we all thought he was a throw-in. You know, you look at a guy like Kendall Graveman that's coming in that trade, and then you get an, another pitcher that was DFA'd and then, you know, given up to the Astros. The Astros seemed to like him. You know, he came back uh, in the postseason, was doing some bullpen work, never got added to the roster, and that mm -hmm. wasn't on the taxi squad. But it's $3 million. That's what MLB Trade Rumors is projecting, that he'll make an arbitration. You know, it's not damaging to the payroll. But at the end of the day, he's, he could be some depth. Um, if it doesn't work in the end, you know, deal him, DFA him. You know, there's a lot of different ways they could go with yeah, definitely. Seemed to like him. Yeah, definitely worth a shot. And the same thing with Josh James. And, you know, not that they would – I mean, he's obviously got the talent to, to stick around and he's uh, made some adjustments. But Maton, Stanek, Valdez, Diaz, those are all obvious guys. But I would say one of the more intriguing moves, I guess, that has, has taken place over the last couple of weeks is they signed Justin Verlander. We know that. Or the rumor to sign him. Uh, but they did make a, a move to clear a spot for him. They outrighted Andre Scrub to AAA. I, I guess he cleared waivers. But he's not. But Justin Verlander hasn't been added to the roster yet. So what are you thinking about that? I mean, I know there's been talk that, oh, maybe he wasn't healthy or that if you saw, I think he posted on Instagram, he was like over in Italy or something. So maybe he just wasn't physically there to sign sign the contract. Seems like a done deal. But what are you thinking? I'm, I'm not too worried about it. Uh, I know a lot of Astros fans are worried because he's still technically a free agent. Mm -hmm. There's no CBA. You can't talk to teams. He's not going to sign anywhere. He's going to be an Astro. Uh, Bob Nightingale came on ESPN. 975 the other day and said it's elementary he wasn't there to sign he wasn't there to finish his physical and like we like you said he's posting on twitter he's overseas he's on vacation so at the end of the day he's an astro and i'm, I'm not too worried about it they made a spot for him they got andre scrub off it and i i feel bad for andre scrub uh he's one of the guys who ate the most innings in 2020 mm -hmm. you know struggled some command issues and then injury bug just wouldn't stay out stay off of right. him in 2021 yeah, well, fortunately for him, I mean, I guess kind of for the Astros too, is he he did clear waivers, so he was able to go back to AAA. So we'll we'll still get a chance to maybe see what he can do in uh, in 2022. Um, like you said, he had he had some good numbers in in, in 2020, uh, and then he just couldn't stay healthy this year. But we've seen him have success at the big league level, so still another option down in AAA if they need to bring up another arm. But on the topic of the bullpen, they did go out and sign somebody, Hector Neris, who isn't a, a very popular name. But you go back and look at his numbers, and man, he said the guys had some really good seasons. I mean, I'd say he's had three seasons that were probably really good, a couple that were off. Last year he was solid, but the one consistent thing for his entire MLB career to this point is that he strikes guys out. He's got a career 11.5 K per nine. Last year he was at like 11.9. 
Uh, seems like another solid reliever. The Astros are going to be a, a slot in kind of in that seventh, eighth role to mix with Stanek. Yeah, it's, it's one of those names that James Click, you said, it's not a popular name. Ryan Stanek, Yimi Garcia, Bill Maton as well. Uh, they go down the line. And so, you know, this bullpen, they, they lost Graveman, they lost Garcia, but Maris is going to pick up a lot of that slack. He can go fill in that role that Garcia did, Yimi Garcia in the sixth, seventh inning, come into trouble, or he can just be in the back end of the rotation as another closer like Graveman was. On the Astros, we've seen them. They they got Justin Verlander back, hopefully. They signed Hector Neris. Outside of that, they haven't made any big moves. We know Correa is still waiting out there, but we've seen the AL West make a lot of moves. You know, the Mariners got Robbie Ray, Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon to the Rangers, and then Noah Syndergaard to the Angels. I still think the Astros are the best team, but – you know, I, I know some people are a little worried out there. The Astros are not making the moves, and we got you know other teams in the division making moves. I mean, really, the Rangers now are probably going to win like maybe ten more games. They're still going to finish probably third or fourth in the division. They're just going to have a lot higher payroll, and and really, like I mean, Seager's a, a really good player, but ultimately, Astros are still the best team in the division. Hopefully, they bring Correa back. But if they bring Correa back, you can watch all the other signings. If not, eh, maybe division gets a little bit closer. But Astros are they're still the best team in the division. Yeah, the Rangers got some bats, but they got John Gray in their rotation. He's probably three, four, five in mm-hmm. the Astros rotation, and that's their ace. So I'm not I don't think fans should be too worried about the Rangers at the moment. Sure, they have some offensive firepower blocked up for the next couple of years. But you know, the Astros can still make some moves. Uh, we saw them link to Starling Marte. Unfortunately, he's a Met. Um, so they could they are looking at that center field spot, and there's also some players on the trade block. And I was gonna ask you, Jimmy, would you go after a guy like Catel Marte from the Diamondbacks, Brian Reynolds, who's with the Pirates, or Cedric Mullins from the Orioles. So it all it all comes down to that that cost, right? And, and what are they looking to get back? Brian Reynolds, awesome player, and and Mull, Cedric Mullins had a fantastic season, but it's his first really good season. Brian Reynolds has had success prior to this. Guy I would love to add to the to the Astros lineup, but ultimately, what does it cost? You know, you got. Pedro Leone coming, you got Corey Lee, you got Hunter Brown. And I would imagine that the Pirates, and rightfully so, are going to want to ask for probably two, three, four top prospects in the Astros system without having those first, second round picks the last couple of years, probably don't have the the depth to, to overcome trading your top three or four prospects, you know. So I would love to add a guy like Brian Riddle, Cedric Mullins. Cattell Marte might be a little less costly. You know, he's, he's, he's battled some injuries, but ultimately – I don't really see it happen. I think they're going to stick to their guns. They're going to still look to maybe sign someone else. I know Kevin Kiermeyer, I think, is on the trade trade block. You know, the Rays did trade some some players. I don't know if they look to go that route. Not great with the bat. Phenomenal defender. This is one way that I actually thought about looking. What if they move Kyle Tucker to center field permanently and then sign someone like Chris Bryant to, pay, to play right field? And I, I'd have to look at the numbers to see how Kyle Tucker uh, was defensively in center. But – Man, you got another guy like Chris Bryant, and that's assuming probably they don't bring Correa back, but that's a way to kind of bring back that offensive production that maybe you lose with Correa leaving. Yeah, there's no one on the market that's going to fill the void that Correa did offensively and defensively. But if you can pick up his bat, you know, that's right. more runs per game. And somebody like Chris Bryant, who's won an MVPs, you know, he's on the Cubs and won the World Series with them. He can hit and he can play not just a third baseman anymore. He can play the corner outfield. He can play center. He can play first base. But if you put him in right and left field, Michael Brantley, depending on where it is, I, they just have to see if Tucker can excel with that range. Yeah, so the one thing we haven't talked about, I guess, which is kind of – I mean, everyone knows about it, but we're in a lockout right now. There's, there's no baseball happening, but there is minor league baseball happening. We had the MILB – Rule five draft. The Astros lost three prospects, Ronnie Dawson, Brett Daniels, and Manny Ramirez. Uh, they did get one back. Ruben Garcia 
report on him. He's just, you know, 95, 97, really good strikeout numbers in minors as a relief only prospect, a guy that is definitely worth taking a chance on. I guess it's just, you know, credit to the Astros system that, that they have three guys selected in the minor league phase of the rule five draft, you know, despite what the national media may say when it comes to their prospect ranking, you know, they had plenty of guys they need to protect from the, the MLB rule five draft, but then they get three selected in the, the minor league version or the, the minor league uh, version of it as well. So any thoughts on that, the guys that we lost, but also the guy we got back. Yeah. I think it's a good, you know, testament to what the, the you know, the system looks like, like you said, but at least it wasn't the Padres. I don't know if you were uh, watching or listening to it, but the Padres lost five to six prospects um, in that draft. And that's, that's just bonkers. Like they, they're losing half like of a rotation on some of these yeah. teams, but I, I think it's a good, you know, it's a good step for Ronnie Dawson. Um, a guy who was actually pro- was unprotected in the rule five draft. Cause mm-hmm. if you're on the 30 man or the 38 man roster for AAA, then you're protected. So right. they took him off and he was probably going to get leapfrogged. Um, all those outfielders last year in AAA got to the major leagues. Brian Daly Cruz, of course, is with the Miami Marlins. But Ronnie, you know, he came up in the major leagues in April, but he never really got that, you know, that next step. And uh, he can excel with a rebuilding team with the Reds, you know, try to try to get on that 40-man roster, try to be that fourth outfielder for that team. Yeah, for sure. And then it's it's an opportunity for those guys. You know, they get to go to a new, uh, new organization and, and uh, kind of, I don't want to say start over because they're not going back low. They're starting AAA. But, yeah, new opportunity. But – the Astros taking a guy in the minor league uh, version. I, I'm glad they did. I, I wanted to see them select somebody, especially, you know, you lost a couple, you got one back. And the guy they got back, at least reading Baseball America's review on him, sounds pretty freaking promising. A uh, 24-year-old, I think he capped out in double A this season. The Astros might need relief arms. They have a few down there, Sean Dubin, some other guys I think that we could probably count on. But maybe Garcia is a guy that, that we see some good stuff from in 2022. Yeah, James Click, you know, he's, had three selections so far in the minor league rule five the minor league phase and two were Seth Martinez and Joe record and Seth Martinez made his major league debut last year and Joe record pitched in the uh, Arizona fall league went like 10 plus innings didn't allow a single run so I'm gonna I'm gonna bank on this guy to you know have a pretty decent season (laughs) yeah I mean I guess it's it's gonna be hard to keep that track record but it's it's pretty good so but like we've said over and over right the Astros find a way to to find pitching they they do it through the draft we're going to see if it works through the Rule 5 draft. Um, and, man, the, the system – I was on another podcast just a couple a couple of days ago, and the system is so much deeper than people give it credit for. And we saw that this year. We saw how successful AAA was. Coming into the season, Hunter Brown, Corey Lee, Pedro Leon, none of them were top 100 prospects. But I would say Brown and Lee for sure deserve to be on a list. And, and I would say Pedro Leon, too, based on what he did at a, as a 23-year-old without you know really playing in, in two years – um, and then Jeremy Pena, too. I mean, the Astros probably have four top 100 prospects. Uh, the system's deep, man. And, and I know I, I'm, I'm biased. I'm, I'm, I will clearly admit that. But the Astros have some players, and, and they're going to continue to have those players. As long as they don't make those trades for Brian Reynolds, Cedric Mullins, they'll have some guys that they can turn to, to for help in, uh, in 2022. Yeah, Fangraphs uh, recently redid their, four, their top 100, and the Astros had four guys on it. And those are the four guys you named. And they had two other guys on the you know, back end looking in. And one was Jairus Solis, who was on the Astros 40-man roster and hasn't pitched in two years. He's had Tommy yeah. John. So they're still high on him, and he's a young guy. So, Yeah, then, then and he's an interesting candidate because, you know, phenomenal numbers. Young guy in the, in, in the minor league, had awesome numbers, and then ended up getting hurt, like I said, the two Tommy John surgeries. But I think he's still only, like, what, 22 or something like that, 23 maybe. Still pretty young. Still yeah. has plenty of time. 
I'm still holding high on Forrest Whitley. I, I talked to him um, maybe about a month ago. Love his his mentality, what he had to say. He still thinks he can be a top-of-the-rotation guy. He said he's coming for their necks with everything he's got when he comes back. He won't be ready to pitch on the mound in spring training, but I, I, I'm hoping we'll see him at some point. He's already on the 40-man roster. Hopefully he can go out, have some good numbers in AAA, and we'll get to see him at some point this next season. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm big on Forrest Whitley. Get him like a full season. You know, he battled some injuries, battled yeah. suspension. And this is the best time for him to come back. And it sucks he won't, you know, be completely ready by spring training, but right. he could be depth down the line. You, know, saw, you saw Tyler Ivey made his debut this year. Uh, Kent Emanuel could be in the same boat. For sure. All right, guys, that's going to do it for today's episode. So if you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. As always, thank you so much for listening. We look forward to having you back for our next episode of the Astros Future Podcast, covering your Astros in the minor league system.